0: For what Kansas City has done and what they the significance of that stadium, I think that game should be something really special and that should be the only game that day. We
1: can only have one Messi and right now he's in Miami. And when Tim Howard says we need to continue to capitalize on this forward progression, who is that player?
0: We're in North Carolina, we have Charlotte and we have Dean Smith. And like, what is his take? Like, how do I not know what he's trying to do? Is he going to try to make it like an EPL? club or is he not going to try to make it like an EPL club
1: losing a true nine like Bright, who is so young and no pun intended but does have a really bright future seems strange so to me that reads they have maybe a player coming in who can replace that maybe it's Simone Charlie maybe it's somebody from a different league who's going to come in and add to that tack. Welcome back into straight from the pitch joined as always by my co-host Scotty Schweitzer I'm Anna Witty. We are weeks away from both MLS and NWSL kicking off. MLS has already started their club friendlies. NWSL is in full swing in preseason. And the NWSL schedule was released last week. We have a full slate of games in the first week. We have one Challenge Cup game between Gotham and San Diego the Friday before all the weekend games kick off. Scotty, when you look at the schedule, What teams are playing who, which game excites you the most for opening weekend that starts March 16th?
0: Um, so for me, I think there's some pretty good games, but the, the, the game to me, that is the focal point is the Kansas city, Portland game. And, and that has nothing to do actually with Portland in a, in a sense, it's more that this is the opening of a women's specific soccer stadium and it's something super special for the league and and for women's soccer and and for the country. So to me, that's that is a huge game. And and to be honest, I feel like the NWSL kind of is dropping the ball on it and that should be a one game only like let's let's like a Super Bowl almost. Like let's let's get it let's, let's highlight it. it. Yeah, let's highlight it and then like have everybody else play on Sunday. I I also kind of like the challenge cup I think that should be almost a, a week prior, four days prior, like just to get the fans amped up because San Diego's a different team. Gotham's a different team. I, I like it. I like that. It's the season champ and the, the, you know, the playoff champion. I like it. I like that that's what they've done with it, but I don't think it needs to be Friday. And then the next day is Saturday. But I, I think for what Kansas city has done and what they, the significance of that stadium I think that game should be something really special, and that should be the only game that day, and like get all eyes on that because you know, like the Courage fans might be waiting for the four o'clock game to come on and not watch the one o'clock. I think that should be super highlighted and made to be like, look, this is what we want. We want women-specific stadiums. This is the first one. We want another one. We want another league to do it. Another team to do it. And, and I think that they're kind of dropping the ball on that. But that's that's the game for me. Is that Kansas City? I just want to see the excitement in the stands, the ownership groups, the 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 commissioner. Like everybody should be there. I think that that's that's super special for this league. And if I was Portland, I'd be excited to be playing in that stadium. And hopefully, I can get a win there and and you know <laughs> bring 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 it down a little bit and, and not let them get Great. their first win. But as as Kansas City players, man, you got to think they're going to be super amped and super pumped to be playing in that stadium in front of their fans which is it's going to be their stadium their fans i think it's mm-hmm. really really special moment and that's the game for me
1: To your point, this is more than just soccer with Kansas city in this women's specific stadium and not only as NWSL fans, they're going to watch all the games, right? There's going to be seven games, including the challenge cup game between Gotham and San Diego on Friday, but the rest of the weekend, there's six games. So they're going to find a way to watch every single match. But the fan who is tuning in as a WSL fan or a fan of MLS who wants to see what's happening in the league, it kind of draws away the allure to the Kansas city game because you kind of get confused because there are so many matches happening. I think you are absolutely correct in the sense that it was a missed marketing opportunity for Kansas city to get that applause. I mean, we've seen the applause on the internet, on social media of how big of a moment this is for the stadium. But having the commissioner there, having, you said this off camera, Patrick Mahomes there, Brittany Mahomes there, having the ownership, having, you know, this Kansas City Chiefs side, rather they win the Super Bowl or not, there are so many star pieces and storylines that get them into the new stadium as well and have this be a Saturday around what Kansas City is building and what it's done for NWSL, instead of it kind of being pushed aside by a few other matches.
0: Yeah. I think they, they made it almost like it's just another game and it, it's not another game. It's no. not just another game. This is like, this is the first of its kind in the United States. This is something super special. And I, I, you're right. I think, you know, if, if Kansas city wins the super bowl, you got to think you could get Taylor Swift there too. I oh mean, my
1: gosh. Yeah.
0: You'd, you'd think like, like let's make it something so, so special because to be honest, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I would be upset if I was the the ownership group at Kansas City like we did all this we did this for the league yes we did it for our players yes we did it for our fans but we did it for the league too and and give us our due now let us be the only game i I just thought when I looked at it i was I was shocked to see when the schedule came out that there was going to be other games on on that that day and and I just thought wow man you got this super special event that should be celebrated and, and it, I'm sure it's going to be celebrated, but you could have made it as, wow, that was special. I can't wait for tomorrow to watch all the other games.
1: Well, it's a one o'clock kick Eastern time and the next game is not until four o'clock. So there's a three hour gap. So you definitely can focus on that Kansas City Portland game specifically. But to your point, I mean, we've seen Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes become best friends over the course of this NFL season. I can't imagine if it's not this opening game, it's going to be at some point in the season. I don't know what Taylor Swift's tour schedule looks like, but eventually she's going to be at this brand new stadium. And why not kind of just celebrate and go off of that momentum and continue that forward. I think that is such a a good game. And I think to your point, just from the stadium specifically, and I I knew you were going to pick that game. So I picked another one um, on the same day because it'll be Chicago against Utah in Utah at 730 Eastern time. I'm excited to see what Amy Rodriguez brings when it comes to a style of play. They have so many new additions because this is an expansion team with Brecken Mazingo as a brand new rookie, Paige Monahan as one of the more senior veteran players, Ali Sintnor, the number one overall draft pick. And then for me, Hannah Bedford, who had an amazing season in Portland towards the very tail end, how she can kind of build off of that momentum. And I think her style is very similar to Rodriguez's style of play. They're very like, humble, go get it. They like to be hard tackling type attackers. So I'm excited to see what Rodriguez does. But on the other side of the ball, Mallory Swanson's back in the mix for Chicago. It's a brand new team. Sam Stobb's going to be on the back line. Um, and, and this game being on Utah, seeing what the fans kind of bring, what the Royal side is going to look like, we'll be really excited to see opening weekend.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of information on the opening weekend. Like you said, like Amy Rodriguez, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a tactical alignment she kind of plays. But you're right. You know you're going to get hardworking players and they're not going to have any quit in them. They're just going to be right. – they're going to fight. They're going to fight. That's who she was. That—that's—that That is definitely going to be a mentality of that team. And then, okay, now how do we play? Like what's her tactical setup? How is she looking to play? How is she looking to press? So those will be interesting. And then with all the movement throughout the – the offseason i think that'll be interesting to see all these different teams and and how players fit and don't fit and coaches making adjustments to what they have now which compared to what they had last year it, it, it's going to be it's going to be crazy again once it gets going
1: it really is. NWL season will be here March 16th. Before we move on, the schedule for the opening weekend is Kansas City and Portland at 1 o'clock Eastern time, racing Louisville in Orlando at 4 p.m. Eastern time, the Courage take on the Dash at 7 o'clock Eastern time, and Utah and Chicago wrap up Saturday. At seven 30, I apologize. No angel city and bay FC wrap up Saturday on the west coast at 10 PM Eastern time. And then on Sunday, Seattle hosts the Washington spirit, which will be another great game as well with what Seattle is doing with their free agency. And a lot of the movement happening, honestly, this free agency is still here. There is a ton of movement happening within the league. And the biggest one that happened recently to me and caught my eye was Orlando's Ford Messiah, Bright was traded to Angel City for $130,000 in interleague transfer funds. Simone Charlie, who was injured last season for Angel City, was a free agent. She signed with Orlando. This is huge for me for Angel City to get a player like Messiah Bright, still so young in her career. But why would Orlando let Bright go?
0: Yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe they're looking to change their style of play a little bit. Like you said, last year I thought up top, She was a physical presence and helped them sometimes maintain possession, helped them be able to counterattack. Like she did different things for them and made them dangerous, even when the game wasn't necessarily going their way. And then at the end of the year, when they started to really get playing a lot better, she was one of the main reasons why they were playing a lot better. She was one of the focal points of how they were attacking, but you know, coaches make decisions and they do things and, and they go in different routes or they have different styles that they're going to try to to attempt in the new seasons. But I, I thought this was a good move for her going to Angel City because it really fits her style of play unless Angel City completely changes the way they're going to play, which I don't think so. It almost looks like she was in an even swap for swap for McCaskill who left Angel City. You could see her kind of getting in that free range of of a roaming forward and being able to go wherever she wants and then to be able to attack however she feels the the best way for the team to expose defenses so i like it as far as angel city but you're right looking at what orlando was doing it seems like a, a tough player to lose
1: right Right. And, and to your point, Orlando towards the end of the season was on a really big high. They, they did have so many young players, but they bring in these Brazilians like Kafa, like Adriana, who contribute to the attack and to the back line. And Seb Hines was really happy with his team, happy that they were young because he could build them and could continue to work with them that losing a true nine, like bright, who is so young and no pun intended, but does have a really bright future seems strange. So to me, that reads, they have maybe a player coming in who can replace that. Maybe it's Simone Charlie, maybe it's somebody from a different league who's going to come in and add to that tack. But it is going to be interesting to see how they directly fill that role. And if they do try and mess with the style of play, but you mentioned a player in Savannah McCaskill who left Angel City will now be playing in San Diego. You brought up a great point about McCaskill having that free range, that ability to do what she wants with an Angel City system. You head over to Stoney's system. It's a little bit more rigid. She's going to be playing next to Colaprico, who plays a certain style, and she's going to have to balance that. How do you think this free agency and players now really being able to choose where they want to play? might change the future and more specifically for mccaskill was this a move that was necessary for her career right Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think that's what we see every year. And that's what makes NWSL so exciting is there is that movement and players who find their system and players who maybe aren't into the right system. And one player who's coming over from South Korea, who's really exciting for Seattle Reign is Ji so It was kind of what Seattle was missing last year, which was an attacking midfielder who could create, but also shoot on their own. Uh, Ji so is a midfielder who signed a deal for the next two years with Seattle. She's 32 years old. She spent the last year playing in South Korea, but the eight years prior was with Chelsea. She left the WSL in 2022 as one of the top goal scorers in WSL history and helped Chelsea win 13 titles what is the most important thing not only will she bring to this club but also to the nwsl this season
0: i think her style of play you know the the asian players have a great style of play they they can possess they can pass they're technically sound they're very intelligent but most asian players play within a system and play with each other and understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses as they play throughout their team and then the other team's strengths and weaknesses. So I think there'll be a little bit of a learning curve for her coming in. She's also 32. Um, it's a physical league. It's a fast league. And you watch these, these players getting drafted this year. It's, it's only getting faster, bigger, and stronger. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how it all fits. Plus, Seattle lost a lot of players. So there's mm-hmm. going to be some readjustments in just their own style of play based on players they don't have anymore. I would have liked to have seen her play with Sonnet. I think Sonnet would have been a good good little piece behind her, sitting in behind her. Sonnet likes to win balls, win tackles, and then get it to her playmakers. And I, I think that would have worked well with her. But, you know, Sonnet's now in, in Gotham. So we'll see what moves Harvey makes to, to implement this style her new style of play which i think Seattle's going to have to have a kind of a new style of play based on the players they lost not not just the players they've gained but more more on the point of the players that they have lost so it'll be interesting to see how she fits into this system and fits into this league at, at an age of 32
1: I'm really excited to see Soyan fit into Seattle and just this league, like you said, and more players coming over from Europe, from different countries, different leagues, and kind of implementing that to NWSL. What does that look like? Does it fit perfectly? Does it not fit perfectly? And how could the NWSL continue to build from these players who are kind of game changers are here to kind of mix things up. But one player who's been really consistent in the NWSL is Shea Groom. Uh, She's transferred from Houston to Chicago as a free agent. She's been in the league since 2015. So nine seasons. Now, this will be Groom's fifth club in the NWSL, but it's going to be Groom and Kerry Ricaro in the midfield who have the experience. What do you expect from this set of midfielders for this brand new Red Stars club?
0: Well, I think just the, the way Donaldson plays, he's going to have a real organized midfield and they're going to possess the ball and try to attack as a unit. I, I, I think that's what we usually see when we saw it with Jamaica. They don't like. They don't just try to counterattack. They they try to move up and down the field as a as a group as a as a unit of ten. So I, I think this is a good move. I think Chicago already looks a lot better than they did last year. <laughs> they look like they're they're making strides going forward into building themselves a better club, a more stable club. And I think they're bringing in stable players that they know know the league, um, are all about the team first, not about personal accolades first. So I think they're making a good moves in Chicago, which is exciting. Um, so I think this was a good move. And I think he's setting, like I, we said it a couple of weeks ago, he sets up a team that plays as a team first, not as individuals. And I think those are the type of players he's been looking to bring in as this year has been going, uh, as the offseason has been going forward
1: that's exactly what chicago had to do last year because they didn't have that star power they didn't have any real big national team players or anybody who could play make on their own but they also didn't have that team collective we have to get this done together so bringing in a coach if you're not going to completely overhaul the roster which i don't think they really did. They did bring in some new key players like quick is a great new addition to the Chicago side and um, even a player like Shea Groom who has that veteran experience, but they lose Kayla Sharples. They bring in Sam Staub and they don't have that star power. So having a coach, you can bring that all together is important and real quick. I-, I just wanted to go over the preseason roster for the red stars. So they still have a there on the roster. Obviously, Aaron McKinney. Hannah Anderson, who was a draft pick, is on the defensive line. Cameron Bogalski, Kowalski's there. Kweeka's there. Uh, Tata Malazzo, who's a big piece on the back line. Sam Staub. Then they have Julia Bianchi, who is a great midfielder and is more of a technical player for them. Um, Jenna Bike is one of those players. Bay Frank- B. Franklin from Arkansas is going to be there. They still have Sarah Griffith. Um, and they even bring in Leilani Nesmith from FSU. On the attacking line, Allie Cook, Ava Ava Cook, Penelope Hawking, Shea Groom, Allie Schlegel, Mallory Swanson—just a few players for the Chicago side that you get them together in this preseason. That's going to be really fun to see what they do against Utah.
0: Yeah, I I, I like that team, and I, and I think they can rally around themselves. You know, here's a team that no one got picked up from Chicago, and then there was a whole bunch of moves, and then they lost some key key players decided to leave in the free agency. So like, if it was me as a coach, I would be bringing us in and like like let's be a team. let's be a family. let's all fight for each other. let's all help each other, get the most we can out of this league, the most we can out of this season. And I think that if they go that route, they have a a really good set group of players that can do a little bit of everything and they, and they might not be superstars all the way. yes, they have a Swanson, I understand that. but like, I know how good Stop is, but I don't think anyone ever, everyone, anyone ever really talked about her as being like a superstar, even though she's a really, really good player. Um, I think this is a team that can just rally around themselves, and that's the type of coach he is and be real, real dangerous. And when you look at him or you scout them, you're like, how are they doing this? You know, they, they're good, but they just can't be beaten. I, I think that's the kind of a team I would try to make this team into and say let's put the past behind us in a sense – But let's not forget it and let's build together going forward and and basically build a legacy with each other and and i think that's what could make chicago super dangerous this year
1: so many players left but they got in some some really good players and we even talked on the last show about Corey bethune being a player who they could have picked but instead chicago traded for sam staub and gave away that pick now you look at the preseason roster that to me is a great decision because they didn't have that consistent center back who could hold things down and who could play into the attack, even skip over the midfield if need be. And that's what Staub really is going to provide for the Chicago back line. But we still have a month and some change. Gosh, we've got like six weeks left until the NWSL season really kicks off, but there's still so much excitement and still so much movement to keep our eyes on uh, before we get there. Moving on into MLS because those teams are really in the full swing of it. They've got less than a month until regular season starts, but it's been Inter Miami, of course, who both of us have really had our eyes on. I know Scotty's a huge fan of the club. I'm a huge fan of Messi and just what David Beckham is building there, but Inter Miami hasn't been off to the best start this season. They tied El Salvador. They lost to FC Dallas. They lost to Al-Halal this week 4-3 to in Saudi Arabia. And then on Thursday, Inter Miami will play against Al Nasser and forward Cristiano Ronaldo. In this last game against Al-Halal, Inter Miami had Suarez, Alba, Busquets, and Messi all starting in this club friendly. And as you mentioned, it was kind of a weird game in the sense of just the stadium, the production of it all, be, having to travel to a completely different continent. But when you look at what Inter Miami is kind of doing right now, do you have any initial concerns before the season starts?
0: Um, I do. I do that they they until last game they really weren't scoring, so I thought that was a problem. Right. Um, but when you watch them and and. You, and you watch parts of games or highlights or whatever, you can see the connection between the four <laughs> because they played together for so long. But the connection outside of the four is I think where they're starting to have some problems um, because players don't know how Suarez plays and Messi plays a little bit different when he plays with Suarez. So even though they had him last year and out, and they're almost like keying on each other and they're forgetting out the other six players on the field. But they're they're also basically... They're, they're MLS's golden child in a sense. So like they're the promotion. So they're they're doing all these things, and they're they got to be tired. They got to not just be tired from preseason training, but more of because they're 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 the salesmen of the league. They're going all right. these places. Like I wouldn't want to be in preseason and go to Saudi Arabia. That's just I I want to be at home. I want to be ready. I want to be in Miami. I want to be training there. I want to be getting used to it. I thought the Dallas game was okay. I think Dallas is just more of um. They seem more organized of, of themselves as a team. Uh, but that would be my only concern was that they weren't scoring. Uh, and then last last night, they they got three goals. So, But they do look like they know they're in preseason. And I think they also know because they had a little bit of it. Well, maybe not Suarez, but they had a little taste of the league last year. So I think they know how physically demanding it is. So no one wants to get hurt in preseason. No one wants to get too fatigued in preseason. You want to be right when the season starts, just right where you need to be and then just keep building going forward. And it almost looks like when I watched the games yesterday that that they know they know that they're there to promote the league, they know they're there to make money for Inter Miami, they make money for MLS. Um, but they're also know that they're in preseason. And so I'm not too too concerned. They did get three goals yesterday. Um mm-hmm. They, they've had some weird injuries already. Uh, the young kid, Ben cremati or however you say his name, he's going to be out for a few months now. So I, I think they're just trying to be smart. And I think, you know, you got Martino, who is constantly messing around with lineups. Like yesterday, I think they played a 5-3-2. A so, you know, like he's, he messes around with lineups and changes lineups. That takes a little bit. I'm sure they're tinkering to figure out what works best. How do we get the, the most – production out of the four superstars. So I'm not super concerned, but a little bit just because they, they haven't really been clicking like we, we would have thought they would have right, right away.
1: Right. And to your point, it is such a long season. There's so many games to be played. Obviously, we're not even in the thick of it all. And the traveling of it all, I think, is a massive factor and not being able to be home. This is the best time of the year to be in Miami. It's not a million degrees there. It's not overly sunny like this is the best time to train there and and to the point of the fc dallas game i know it was a really cold game so not being used to being in that environment could have really affected this inner miami side uh tim howard made a really interesting comment this week Uh, he said we have Messi, then we have the 2026 world cup here in america and then we have the fallout he said, we're talking about a five-year space where we can really capitalize on the growth of soccer here in the States. He's correct in all of that, you know, comment saying that this is the time to really use Messi, to use bisquets, to use players like Jordi Alba and Suarez here and make sure not only are we growing inner Miami, but we're growing other clubs and investing financially into other clubs because after this 2026 World Cup in a few years, we might not have used it in the right way. Do you see how MLS is using Messi and marketing him well outside of just this inner Miami club going on the up? Do you think like once 2026 World Cup wraps up, like we've used him to what he can be and not like he's a prop or anything that we should just like, you know, play with. But do you think Tim Howard is right in that comment?
0: I I do. I think what he's kind of saying is Don't be fooled and just use Messi. Use Messi to bring in more, to make it, to to build off of it. Whereas let's not just for the next few years use Messi. And then when Messi's done, we're back right where we started kind of a thing. So I, I totally agree with Tim Howard on that saying that, you know, here's an opportunity to continue the growth of the league. And that's what we need to do. We need to use Messi to help with the growth of the league, not just say, hey, look, we have Messi. And at times, it almost seems like that, uh, and you know, I don't know if that's a, a Beckham thing. I, I think we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago, where he said, "Good God, I would hate to be going against Beckham because he knows everybody." He, you know, he look. They got Suarez, and you know, could it be Neymar next, or could it be you know, Griezmann wants to come into the league? People are talking. Polistik has made mentions that he wants to finish out his career here, and I think that's where the MLS needs to take heed at saying. Well, why do you want to come at the end of your career? Like we want players to come in the middle of their career when they're great, when they're mm-hmm. when they're superstars still. Like I, I don't want Pulisic to come at the end of his career. I want him to come when he can dominate in the in the league. If if he can dominate in the league, I, I don't want. And that's not just Pulisic. That's not just Americans. That's any great player. We want him to come when they're still in their prime. Now, granted, Messi might be thirty six years old or whatever he is, thirty four years old, but the little bits that you still see of him, he's still close to, close to prime. Maybe he can't do it, you know, as many times in a row, but he still has that ability to, to be great. And I think that's what Tim Howard's saying is like, we can't lose what we have right now. And then when it's done, just be done with it. We have to continue to build with it and grow from it using these type of players that now do want to be in the league. And and then at the same time, you know, there's, like, I think we said it last time, the MLS has to be a lot more transparent. Like, I want to know why Jesus Ferreira didn't get sold to Spartak Moscow for 13 million. Why did they step in and say no to that? Why, why did they, if that's where he thinks he can grow and become better, why did they not take that 13 million and then invest it back into the league or back into their team and do like, why was it, why was it negated? I, I want to know those kinds of things, like why that happens. Like, we, we know why Henderson left Saudi Arabia and went to Ajax. I want to know the same things that go on in the MLS. I, I want to know why they're happening and what the, the game plan was for the growth of the league. Just keeping him here, is that the best for the league? Is that why you did it? Or you just didn't want to lose him and make yourselves look bad? I don't know. Because they don't really give us enough information sometimes, the MLS.
1: There's only one Messi. Right, we can only have one Messi, and right now he's in Miami. And when Tim Howard says we need to continue to capitalize on this forward progression and get a good player or get something good going in LA or Chicago or DC, who is that player who, if they were to come and not play for Inter Miami and pick another city, would have that massive impact that Messi has had?
0: Okay, so like back in the day when the MLS first started. The players that would come in, they would bring in like Lothar Mateus was brought in and he played in New York. One is I think his family wanted to be there, but there's a huge German community inside of New York, in right outside the city. So they brought in a German. There were Polish players that they brought in to the Chicago Fire back in the day because there's a huge Polish. So like you could bring in Lewandowski, who is a Polish player at Barcelona, Barcelona is struggling right now. They're having their own little problems. Is that a player? So when you bring in players that are great players, you also have to look at the ethnic backgrounds in these certain cities that we have because then you can get that fan base to come. So like Houston, I thought did a good job when they brought the Mexican players in last year because you're going to get a big Mexican fan base that comes in, goes to every game, cheers for your players. You know, they have that connection. Messi's in Miami. You have a lot of Latin players, people there. You got Messi, you got Busquets, you got Jordi Alba, you got Suarez. So it makes sense when you're bringing in players, you're not just bringing in quality players. You're also bringing in certain nationalities to certain sections of, of the country where they have an ethnic background to follow fan base there to follow them. So I I think there's players like that. Lewandowski would be good. Um, Shoot. Uh, in L.A., you know, you have a whole bunch of different ethnic backgrounds. So you have a whole bunch of different types of players you could bring into into the into the, the team because you'll have a fan base that will follow and they already have their own fan base. So that's the type of players you need to look at. Where would you bring them? Where do you put them? Chicago, Polish, German, New York. They had that, like I said, when they brought Lothar Mateus in, you know, they had a huge following. They have Italians there. Pirlo went into NYFC the one year. I think those are the types of players you have to look at. Toronto, Toronto brought in all the Italian players. So now, now, then, now you need results. So you can't just right. bring in players and they lose because nobody wants to see a losing team. So you got to bring in players that want to be here, want to be part of the league, want to help the growth, want to win games, want to win a championship, and then you get a better fan base
1: totally and i think right now san diego is the next club that'll be here in 2025. mls has to really focus on What are they doing to prepare for that season and prepare for San Diego to debut? Because from living in San Diego, there are millions of soccer fans. You see it at the Wave Stadium. You see it when national teams come into town. People love soccer in Southern California and San Diego specifically, and making sure that when that club starts playing in 2025, that they're ready for it. And that they've got the right players on the roster they've got them out in the community promoting the team doing stuff video wise so we can see them on social media we can see constant weekly content on mls website or sorry on apple tv just quick feature stories so that we can get to know these people maybe they're not on the messy level because there's only so many of them but make them the next Messi here in the States, make them somebody who the casual American sports fan can relate to. That is the piece to me that we're really missing is the marketing aspect to MLS. I follow obviously NWSL really closely because I call the games, but I also do follow MLS. And sometimes it's a little bit harder to follow because the content's not there outside of Twitter and outside of you know the articles. I don't get to know these players and outside their Instagram profiles. I don't get to know these players. So making sure that they're attainable um, and we can get access to their voices and their families and and what are they doing in the community would be a huge leap. And starting in San Diego would be a good spot.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I feel like the MLS and I, they've gotten better. They they sometimes feel like, well, you should follow us because we are the MLS like, no, no, you have to help us. You have to Mm -hmm. give us, information you have to give us ways of of seeing this because there are some really good players in the MLS that we don't really even know about and or you only know your team you only know your local team listen we're we're lucky with Messi because he is messy, so he's everywhere so like I happen to be a Miami fan just because of the pink uniforms that's when I started liking them but I get all the information because it's messy. but like you know, like we talked about it, Kansas City hired Gavin Wilkinson, like, and nobody knew about it. No, like nobody heard about it. It kind of went under the radar. Like that shouldn't be, that should not be happening. Like whether it's Gavin Wilkinson or not, like when anything is going on, we should know what's going on in Portland. We should know what's going on with the Sounders. We should know what's going on in Kansas City. We should know what NYFC and, and like, then, then these clubs have the MLS next pro. And then they have the, the young players playing in their league and the MLX next league and youth players like so like there is this big I don't know what the conglomerate of of groups that we could follow like I could follow the youth club I could follow the reserves I could follow the pro team but it's so hard to do it like you have to search it out yourself instead of helping us with the content of how to find it that then we could become fans like maybe I am a Portland fan I don't even know it because Mm -hmm. I don't know any of the information about what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it. And now you have here, we're, we're in North Carolina, we have Charlotte and we have Dean Smith. And like, what is his take? Like, how do I not know what he's trying to do? Is he going to try to make it like an EPL club or is he not going to try to make it like an EPL club? Is, is he here just for a paycheck, which I doubt it. He's a soccer enthusiast. He's a soccer lifer. So like, mm-hmm. we're, I'm getting nothing on Charlotte. I And I live in North Carolina and I'm getting yeah. no information on, what he's trying to do, what system he's going to try to play, how he's going to try to adapt to the MLS style of play, which could be an old English style of play. And we're getting zero information on it.
1: And for the fan to be able to know what Dean Smith likes and to kind of and bring that into the culture of the fandom here in Charlotte. People love going to those games. They're really exciting. MLS does a great job of putting on a great show but it's that extra level of getting to know these players that would be really exciting. And I think that would be that huge gap that maybe we're missing here in the States that we wanna be missing, you know, like NFL, for example, every week there's a feature on Fox on a certain player Um, It's a sit-down interview. We get to know about them. And weekly, there's always content coming out, whether it's from the NFL or other networks. And, And to that, soccer is definitely growing in the States. Networks are really investing. But it's that small detail of just getting to know a player, getting to know a person. And that's why you want to become a fan of them And MLS has a great opportunity with San Diego coming into the league. That's going to be a massive club for them to capitalize on. And they've done a great job so far. It's not that MLS has messed up necessarily anywhere but continuing to grow off Messi and letting Messi continue to talk and be that spokesperson for the league um, and continuing to invest in different areas of the country so that we can see this growth of soccer. I mean, I have friends, family who reach out to me about soccer constantly. Like my cousin just became a massive Liverpool fan and he was a baseball player, a football, a football fan. And it's just really fun to see his interest in the sport. But we have to continue that momentum to get him now invested in mls
0: and you bringing up liverpool and i'm a liverpool fan so friday morning i i cried i i 52 did you cry we have
1: to get there why did you cry scotty it's because because
0: klopp's leaving because klopp's leaving and and it's really just what we're talking about klopp is listen i'm sure pep has a relationship with the fans but no manager has has a relationship with his fan base like klopp does with the liverpool fans it's something like he didn't just change the culture of how we train and how we play and how we practice and how we win games. He changed how we care about each other, how how Liverpool cares about each other and loves each other from the players all the way through to the, the fan that sits in the highest row in the stadium. And it's such a like I don't know who we're going to get to be our new coach that can replace this guy because of what he did like. What, he, what the club means to him, what the fans mean to him, what he means to the fans. Like and he said, you know, don't make it about me. I'm just, I'm ran out of energy. And I watched the FA Cup game this weekend. And from the day time he walked out onto that field, they serenaded him and they kept singing. And they said, sorry, we are going to celebrate you. We're going to celebrate you till you're gone. And it's that relationship and it's that understanding. And I can go on at any time and watch a special on Klopp meeting a fan, meeting uh, someone who's got disabilities. And, and you can see how he interacts with them and, and how he brings the players in and how he interacts with his, his own team and his own players. Like that's, that's what you want to see with the M- MLS. How is Neville interacting with the guys in Portland now? How is Dean Smith interacting with the team and the fans and going into the pubs in Charlotte? Because Charlotte could be a soccer town. It has great restaurants. It has great bars. It's right there by the stadium. The fans come there and they, St. Louis, how is the St. Louis, you know, going to build off of last year? Like, I want to know all of that stuff. I want to see all that stuff that might change me from being a Miami fan to a St. Louis fan, a Charlotte fan, because I became a Liverpool fan because of Stan Collymore and his style of play. And then you read the history about Liverpool. And now I, me and my daughter are both Liverpool fans and, man, we're, we're in a hard place right now. And like, we're right. in first place in the EPL. We got a chance to win four trophies still. And you, we're all, we're all just sad because we're going to lose Klopp because right. he is who we are. He is Liverpool. He he gave us our, for the last nine years, he's given us our personality, who, who, who the club is about. And like, that's the beauty of, of Liverpool. And I, I think we have that here in the MLS. We just need to see it. We need to, right. to be a part of it. And I think coaches and players can't be afraid of it. Let it be. Right. Let, let Be part of it. Let the fans be part of it. Let the fans feel like there's just as much as a win. The reason we win is as you are on the field.
1: There, the fans are just as invested as the coaches and to even argue further. Klopp isn't just the identity of Liverpool. He's somewhat of the identity of the premier league. A lot of people know Klopp because they know what the premier league is and he shows his personality. He's not afraid to be somebody that people disagree with. And I think that's what MLS could use in their coaches is just a little bit more of not a disagreement, but a little bit more of a willing to show a personality and show how they can be relatable to the people in their city before we wrap things up we did talk about the gavin wilkinson thing and sporting kc decided to mutually part ways recently because of the outcry from the fans which is a great move but it took a little too long like he shouldn't even gotten there to begin with We should have known
0: that (laughs) i agree but They got it in the end. They got it in the end.
1: (laughs) They got it in the end. And it is just the beginning for MLS and NWSL. There's going to be plenty of games left. Like we said, Inter Miami will be taking on Cristiano Ronaldo on Thursday. There's a plenty of storylines behind that. Do you think it's going to be a chippy game? Like Ronaldo has this big personality where he made a big outcry of like i'm not coming to mls so i'm not doing that and then messi decided to do that there might be a little bit of jealousy of the attention that messi has gotten do you think ronaldo is going to kind of use this opportunity to light things up
0: i i think that's who ronaldo is but i don't think it'll get chippy i don't think that's who he is he'll he'll try to score he'll try to do his celebration um and then again we'll see what martino does because they they really are in preseason and You don't want any injuries and these, you know, they're over there playing and they're halfway through their season. They're fit. They're ready to play. Whereas Miami is just starting their season, just starting to be all together. So it's, um, it's tricky that the way you have to do preseason, especially when you're going and playing teams that are in the middle of a season. And I think that that's the hard thing for sometimes for us as fans to realize is just like, we, when we used to bring in the English teams to play us in the MLS all-star, well, we're at halfway through our season and the English teams are coming in for preseason. So they probably did fitness in the morning. Then they played in the game. They don't really want to be playing in the game. The, the MLS boys are, well, here's a t- chance for me to, to make a name for myself. So they're tackling harder than they should. And the European team is like, we're, we're tired. We, 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 did fitness this morning. We're, we're, Just a couple weeks into preseason, we're getting ready for our season. We don't really even want to be in this game in a sense. Uh, We're not the set starting lineup. So why did the coach play me and not play so-and-so? I wish I was sitting on the bench. So it's kind of a a tricky little situation. So we'll see. But I mean, I'm sure there was contractual things where those guys have to get a certain amount of minutes, probably even have to start so that the fans could see it. But I, I wouldn't look too deep into it if I was Miami as what the records are. I wouldn't look into it until Real's games start being played. And then I would be worried about my record.
1: February 21st is when Inter Miami's real first game is against Real Salt Lake. And that's where the fun will start. Uh, That is it for this week's show. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. You can watch us every single week on YouTube. We release (coughs) a new episode every Wednesday. Feel free to give us a five star really a five star review or in the comment section, let us know what you want to hear from us. Is there any player movement? Is there any ownership conversations? Is there anything, any topic that we haven't covered that you would love to hear from us? We'd love to hear what you guys are talking about in the soccer world. So join us every Wednesday. We will be back here next week.
0: Have a great week.